Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. On the resurrection of Jesus. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other day went to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, where an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said he will be. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. Lo, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Hail! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ron. Last week, we spent some time talking about the events that happened between shouts of Hosanna and cries of crucify him. We talked about the institution of the Lord's Supper and how Jesus was strengthened for the trial to come by his time with his friends. We talked about his time in the garden where Jesus was supported by angelic witness when his friends tried to sleep away their grief at what was coming. In the garden, Jesus faced but did not overcome his fear. He was fortified by his human supporters and his faith in God. We left a terrified yet resolute Jesus, one who would face what was to come. We know, of course, that what was to come was, in fact, gruesome. It has always struck me that Holy Week is called Holy Week, given how much pain it holds. Often when we think of things that are holy, we think of babies and laughter and the nearness of our love. We think of times of rescue and reverence in moments of breathtaking grace. We don't often think of arrest and trial, persecution and death. Yet our tradition calls these things holy. I don't know about you, but I don't like to linger on Good Friday or even Holy Saturday. I want to move forward toward resurrection, toward the promise of new life and new ways of being. 
I want to remember that God is the author of all that is and that ultimately all things return to God. But of course, God is the author of all things and ultimately all things do return to God. Even our pain, even our fear, even our grief. Holy Week reminds us that these things are holy too, for holiness is simply meaning that a thing is consecrated to God. If we have dedicated our lives to God, then our whole lives are holy, including all the very human emotions they encompass. For some of us, the fear of Good Friday has not yet given way to the joy of Easter. The powers that be still exist and we still suffer, even though the calendar has flipped one more day. For some of us, real and deep suffering at the hands of others, some who love us and some who hate us, prevail in our hearts this morning. For some of us, uncertainty threatens to give way to numbness and distraction, calling us away from joy as we seek simply to put one foot in front of the other once more today. It feels a bit like whiplash to me this week. On Thursday, we remember Jesus' last meal with his friends tinged with the heaviness of grief. On Friday, we remember the crucifixion when Jesus was betrayed by his disciples, by the crowds, and by the mighty hand of Rome. On Saturday, we remember the silence when Jesus' body was laid in a tomb and the reality of his death fell around his loved ones like a shroud. I can imagine the grief, the disbelief, the numbness, the terror of those who believed in Jesus and his mission, the full force of horror crashing down around them. Between last night's vigil and this morning's resurrection, we are supposed to jump immediately from fear into great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been able to make that switch so quickly. Either I have to avoid the pain, which is what scripture expressly tells us not to do, or I have to pretend to feel only joy when what I'm really feeling is an admixture of emotions. Even when the thing I have feared has not come to pass, still there is an emotional process I must move through to shift from a state of overwhelm to a state of calm. I have to metabolize what could have been so that I can focus on what is. I can imagine the same would be true for the Marys in today's text. It begins, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. Here we read a story of the two Marys engaging with their grief. The scripture says they were going to the borrowed tomb simply to see it. They wanted to be near Jesus's body. Matthew's gospel does not say that they brought anything with them like spices for labor. They just wanted to spend time near him. I think we all know the feeling of wishing to be near someone we love one more time. So we can understand this urge on the Mary's part. Yet when they arrived, they saw a large stone sealing the entrance and guards stationed there to keep watch, which Pilate had ordered at the request of the chief priests. 
Soon, however, the miraculous interrupted their grief. A great earthquake accompanied an angelic visitor who rolled the stone away. The combination of the trembling earth, the dazzling white of the angel, and the effortless movement of the large stone was too much for the guards who fainted dead away. I can imagine that the women too were terrified, maybe frozen with fear. What could be happening? The text continues, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were one of the Marys, I'm not sure the angel's admonition not to be afraid would be particularly helpful. They had come to grieve together to be near Jesus's body, and immediately upon their arrival, they had been shaken from grief into terror. Then they heard the most unbelievable words, he is not here, for he has been raised. Look, his body is not in the tomb as it was just yesterday. So go now and tell his disciples that he has been raised from the dead. Tell them you should make your way to Galilee, and you will see him there. I like how the text doesn't try to cover the fear that the women would have felt. In that fear and great joy, they ran straightforwardly. Nope, I skipped a whole paragraph. <laughs> in that fear and joy, they ran to tell the other disciples that they would soon see Jesus in Galilee. I imagine them breathless, asking one another if they had indeed seen and heard what they thought they had. But if they thought they were shocked at what had just happened, they were about to be stunned at what came next. The text concludes, suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Jesus met them right there on that dusty road to show them that what they had heard was indeed true. Jesus met them, telling them tenderly they need not fear, for he was there with them. Jesus met them, reassuring them that they were to go back to the place where the disciples were waiting, grieving and terrified, and tell them this most excellent news. Jesus met them, and they fell before him, touching his feet, feeling his very human presence and warmth on their hands. He was alive and with them. Jesus tells them to go tell his brothers, which should be translated as brothers and sisters, because Greek. The two Marys, commissioned by Jesus himself, became the first apostles. I imagine the women, even after seeing Jesus, were still afraid. What if they were dreaming? What if they were so racked with grief that they were hallucinating? What if the disciples didn't believe them? What if Jesus didn't come to Galilee as he had promised? Still, they chose courage. Courage is not feeling no fear, but rather acting despite the dangers. Recall how in the garden Jesus faced but did not overcome his fear. Recall how he was strengthened by his friends and his faith. The same can be true for us if we let it. Today, I invite you to notice your fear and your great joy 
and to be honest about both. When we are honest with ourselves, we create space for more joy, more wonder, more anticipation of the work of God in the world. When we are honest with others, we create relationships that are real and vulnerable. In this Easter season, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection offered to all of us. We are invited to see where and how the risen Christ will meet us and will meet our neighbors and our friends. We are invited to search out the power of resurrection in prayer, in our advocacy for what is just and good, and in our own hearts as we find new life springing up in once dead places. God invites us into the fullness of resurrection life today, friends. May we receive it with fear and great joy. Amen.